And I just happen to glance at Twitter. I'm getting ready for bed. And it's 2.30. And now Lorena Gonzalez is, is tweeting at me. She's responding to my tweet at 2.30 in the morning. And, and I'm like, oh, we're doing this? We're doing this right now? Okay, fine. So now we're in a Twitter battle at 2.30 in the morning. Me and Lorena Gonzalez back and forth. And I'm basically saying, we didn't agree to this. You need to delete your tweets and now, mind you, she's one of the most powerful politicians in the state of California. <laughs> but I'm, I'm batshit. I don't give a fuck. Uh, you fuck with musicians. You fuck with the wrong group. This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districtkid.com. What's going on? Welcome to the new music business. I'm your host, Ari Herstand, author of How to Make It in the New Music Business, the book. Today, I don't have a guest, but I'm going to talk about the new law that was signed, AB 2257, in California, which amended AB 5. If you don't know what that is, I'm going to talk all about it. This was a California law, but has implications for people all over the states. As always, please find me on Instagram and Twitter, at Ari Herstand. You can find us all at Ari's Take. And if you're not on the email list, yeah, you really got to get on the email list. Uh, that's where I send out all the most important information, anything that's happening that you need to know about in the music industry, coupons and other deals that I'm finding around that's offered just to the Ari's Take community. Go to ariestake.com, sign up for that email list. All right, let's kick into the show. Okay, so what happened uh last friday the governor of california governor gavin newsom signed into law something that i had been working uh, almost a year on trying to get done basically uh this this bill that he signed into law which is now the law uh ab2257 uh basically amended the quote-unquote gig workers law ab5 now, if you've been following anything of California politics or even in the freelancer community, the musician community, anything like that, you've probably heard of AB5. I've been talking a lot about that on Ari's Take. If you don't know what that is, um, AB5 went into effect January 1st of 2020, and it is basically a law that um, reclassifies whether somebody, a worker, is considered an employee or a contractor. Now, if you don't know what the difference between an employee and a contractor is, employee means that you are on payroll, W-2'd, you know, you have taxes withheld, you get some benefits, uh, all that stuff. And a contractor is really just somebody who's given a 1099. Uh, They don't withhold any of your taxes. You pay taxes at the end of the year. You know, most of us are contractors. Every gig I've ever played and anyone I've ever hired, it's been a contracting situation. Now, what AB5 said is that musicians and anyone really uh, cannot um, contract anyone else out unless they meet very, very, very strict criteria, which which no one in the music industry really meets. And, and let me break this down. So 
Previously, the law says that someone is going to be uh, considered a, a contractor um, if they meet the Borello test, and it's 11 factors, the, the Borello is this ruling, blah, 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 legalese, legalese. Previously, it was like, if you're under the control of your employer, then, then you have to be considered an employee. If the employer tells you, uh, under the control, it's a loose term, but that's pretty much how it was determined. And that's, that's nationally. This is the national U.S. law, the Borello test, 11 key factors, uh, whether you are going to be considered an employee or a contractor. Now, AB5 uh, basically said that we're no longer looking at the Borello test. We're now looking at a much more strict version, which we're calling the ABC test. And the ABC test, let me just read what this is. It's a three-point test. And and A, it's, well, it says, under the ABC test, a worker is considered an employee unless the worker is A, free from the control and direction of the company in performing work, both practically and in contractual agreement between the parties. That's kind of like Borello. B, performs work that is outside the usual course of the company's business, and C, is customarily engaged in an independently established trade, occupation, a business of the same nature as the work performed by the company. Okay, so B is what caught everybody up, performs work that is outside the usual course of the company's business. Uh, this caught everyone up because it's pretty hard for the a music venue to say that the artist that we are hiring to play our music venue is performing work outside the normal course of business, which is music, of our music venue, and they're performing music that's pretty much in line of the usual course of business. Same as a band leader. It's hard for me as a band leader to say that the drummer I'm hiring is performing work uh, outside the usual course of business, of my business, of music, uh, commence all jokes that saying that drummers are not musicians, blah, 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 blah. This law could have single-handedly crashed the California music economy. This is not hyperbole. This was actually starting to happen. So the, this law went into play, uh, into effect, rather, January of 2020. And within the first two months, I had documented hundreds of musicians who actually lost work because of AB5, meaning... Uh, somebody would normally contract session musicians from California uh, to for recordings, whatnot. You know, session music, mixing engineers, mastering engineers, producers, all that stuff. Turning to California musicians, California music professionals, uh, they stopped doing that and they started turning to musicians elsewhere in the country, not California. Um, not only that, and, and this is documented, this is actually a case I heard about a composer who would normally uh, contract a 50-piece orchestra to attempt, um, well, to record their new works, wanted to hear it, record a demo, uh, had contracted 50 musicians for this project and uh, canceled that contract and took that project, took the, the job to Florida, hired Florida musicians because this composer said... I can't afford to put 50 musicians on payroll. So th this is what the thing, this is what this AB5 says. Now, if you have to classify somebody as an employee, not just a contractor, as an employee, what does that mean? That means that you have to put them on payroll. You have to W2 them, put them on payroll, uh, withhold taxes, get workers' comp insurance, unemployment insurance, all these other benefits. Uh, and if you are the if you're the employer. Uh, like the band leader or the composer or music venue or whatever, you have to incorporate yourself 
to get a payroll company. Incorporating yourself in California is very expensive. Uh, minimum of $800 a year, not to mention all of the new taxes you have to file. My accountant charges me $2,000 a year uh, to file my corporate taxes. You'd have to cor- you incorporate yourself. Uh, you have to get workers' comp insurance, not cheap. Uh, pay- you have to put everybody on payroll. Now, payroll companies aren't set up for one-off gigs. You know, uh, A lot of payroll companies charge like $50 per person you want to put on payroll. So needless to say, it's extremely expensive uh, to comply with this law. Now, the intention of AB5 initially was to, quote-unquote, protect Uber and Lyft drivers. And that, you know, you can't just write a law specifically targeting one industry like that. So, but that's that's kind of what they were doing. They're trying to protect them. Um, and a lot of industries actually got exemptions from this. Doctors, lawyers, accountants, hairdressers, manicurists, repo men. Like there were 35 industries that got uh, written in, carved out of this law in the initial bill form when it was signed by the governor back in 2019. Now, the music industry didn't get an exemption from this uh, in the initial initial bill form when the governor signed it. Uh, That's not because the music industry didn't try. The music industry tried to get an exemption. I wasn't a part of those negotiations. I honestly didn't know anything about this. Um, uh, The music industry tried to get an exemption back in 2019 before the governor signed it when the bill was still being negotiated, and they couldn't. Uh, we're talking the biggest guns of the music industry. We're talking the RIAA, the organization that that controls that um, advocates for the major labels. A2IM, the organization that advocates for the independent labels. Uh, the Recording Academy, Irving Azoff and his new organization, uh, Music Action Coalition, uh, Red Light Management, Corn Capshaw is part of that. A lot of big guns tried to negotiate this thing and couldn't get it through. Why? Well. Uh, AB5 is is very pro-union. Uh, some have rumored and said that that AB5 was virtually written by unions, by um, the AFL-CIO, National Union Organization. And, and uh, this is very pro-union because, because um, you know, he, here's the thing. The only way to join a union is uh, you have to be an employee. This is national labor law. So the only way they can actually join the union is if you're an employee, a W-2 employee, then you can unionize. Independent contractors can't unionize. So unions love this. Um, And the musicians union, believe it or not, there is a musicians union. I know you've never heard about this. I hadn't really either. I mean, I was like, oh yeah, there's a musicians union, I think, but no one's really in the musicians union. I mean, it's very, very small. Really, the music musicians union, the AFM, American Federation of Musicians, the only people who are really in this are people who play on film scores, major label records, and in the in symphony orchestras and that kind of stuff, you know, the LA Phil or whatnot. So uh, most people are not in the musicians union and people who are in the union, I'm telling you, I've talked to a lot of union members, AFM members. They don't like the AFM. They don't like them. They do nothing for them. You pay your dues and, and honestly, the AFM doesn't really do anything for them. It's not like SAG-AFTRA for actors, which is beloved by actors. I mean, shit, I, I'm in SAG-AFTRA. I love them. They send me checks all the time. AFM is not like that. The AFM was fighting for AB5, did not want a music industry exemption because why they want to get more members they wanted to get more members as part of the afm membership is dwindling 
No one's in the union. Like, why do you need to be in the union? I don't need to be in the union. No one, you can't, like, here's the thing is, who are you going to fight against? You know, unions are meant to protect the little guys and help workers fight the big bad corporations and and increase, you know, your pay, uh, working conditions. Uh, so unions can do a lot of good for workers. I'm not disputing that. I have nothing against unions. Uh, for, for most industries, unions can be excellent, can be wonderful. Uh, but they're not necessary for the music industry when I am contracting my friends to play shows with me. What are they going to unionize against me? But then I'm, I'm also in the union because I'm a musician who gets contracted by other people. And cause that's the thing. That's the, that's the thing about this is that, you know, in most instances, like when I play a gig in, let's say at the hotel cafe in LA, um, I am, both the employee and the employer in that situation if we were following the AB5 rules. Meaning, uh, under AB5, I would be considered an employee of the Hotel Cafe, this music venue, um, because technically they would have to put me on payroll and I'd be an employee for that one gig. Um, And I would be an employer of my backup band, of my drummer and the bassist and the guitarist and the keyboard player that I hired they're my employees for the one gig, and I'd have to put all of them on payroll and W-2 them for one gig, even if I'm just paying them a couple hundred bucks each. They're all my employees for the one gig, and that's what AB5 said. So obviously, it's it's completely unrealistic. It so, But like I said before, when the law went into effect January 1st, things started to crumble. Now, obviously, you know most people don't follow this stuff very closely and didn't really understand um, what was happening, and so... Uh, people were still literally breaking the law every single day uh, because they didn't know. Why would you know? Like people were still playing gigs uh, up until obviously all live music shut down. People were still playing gigs and hiring their friends to back them up and and whatever. And music venues were still hiring singer songwriters, individuals. Um, and so so, but people who did understand the law and were following this and had lawyers working with them, uh. They stopped hiring musicians. We we saw um, places stop having live music. We saw um, like like wine bars stopped having singer songwriters and live music. And and we saw um, like I said before, sessions stopped happening because they couldn't afford to put all these musicians on payroll. Uh, you know, so the, we are the unintended consequences is what you're looking at. So. I learned about this about a month or two, maybe two months before the law went into effect. So I went, I learned about this like November 2019 uh, by some musician friends of mine, learned about it. They had me over to their place with a bunch of other musicians and their attorney, uh, Ned Minoyo, he gave a presentation uh, basically teaching all of us about AB5 and uh <laughs> None of us knew about it, and by the end of it, we were all freaking the fuck out. We're like, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Like this, this doesn't work for us. Like, how, how could this possibly happen? This doesn't make any sense. This, this is unrealistic completely." And we're like, "Well, shit, we got to do something about this." So I wrote about it on Ari's take. Uh, that article went crazy viral. It got like a half a million views in a couple days or something like that. It was called "The California Music Economy Is About to Crash," um, and. Then that blog article got me a meeting with the assembly member who wrote the bill, who wrote AB5, assembly member Gonzalez, Lorena Gonzalez. 
Simultaneously, uh, a couple other people from that that meeting and and part of this this new Facebook group, uh, Independent Music Professionals United, uh, started a petition that was started by Adrian Duncan and Alicia Spilius. Uh, that petition got uh, started to gain traction and momentum. So we we all met with uh, Lorena Gonzalez, Assembly Member Gonzalez, pled our case, and she was like, you know. Uh, I, I feel you. I get it. Okay. You know, like we realized we, hey, we're going to have to figure out the music uh, industry thing a little bit later. And mind you, this meeting was in December. And we're like, well, when's later? Because this law is going to affect in weeks. And she's like, well, you know, well, we knew we have to figure this out. We're like, but you don't understand. Like, we're going to lose work in a few weeks and or we're going to be breaking the law. And this is going to be really bad. She's like, all right, well, put some language together. Send it to me. And I will, you know, put it into a cleanup bill, which I'm going to be introducing. We're like, okay, cool. So we started to get to work. We started to think about language um, and we sent her some language. And she's like, no, 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 you don't understand. You need sign off from the unions. You need sign off from everyone in the music industry. We're like, wait, what? You just told us to send you language. I didn't, we didn't know how politics really worked. Now, I know you're thinking, you're listening to this you're like, wait a minute. Why again? This do- clearly doesn't make any sense. Like, why should somebody who's paying a drummer a hundred bucks to play a half hour gig on a Tuesday night at 11 p.m. need to put that drummer on payroll and spend thousands of dollars to incorporate, get a payroll company and on and on and on? Uh, that doesn't make any sense. It's like, yeah, but who we then had to fight with was the union, the AFM, the American Federation of Musicians. Again, remember them from just a couple minutes ago? They don't do shit, uh, except they fought us tooth and nail. So we linked up with the big guns of the music industry, the RIAA, all that, the whole coalition that, that, that lost the fight initially to the AFM. Um, and, and they, well, they actually got in touch with me. They're like, Hey, saw your article way to go. Uh, you know, we're, the AFM is coming back to the table. They're freaking out. The AFM, the president of the AFM, John Acosta got in, got in touch with me and he's like, Hey, you know, we're not the bad guys. Like, I think we can, you know, we can align on this a little bit. And I'm like, okay. So we met, we talked and, uh, but it was very clear that they wanted AB5 because their membership is way down. They want, they thought that if every musician, had to be W2'd, then everyone would join the union, even though it doesn't make any sense to join a musician's union. Who are you fighting against? Who are you fighting for? Who you're fighting? It's just like, that doesn't make any sense. It's like, yes, it makes sense if you're like, you know, in the LA Phil and you're need, you need to negotiate with corporate LA Phil for, you know, uh, higher pay and more vacation hours and health insurance benefits and, and that kind of stuff. And it's like this big organization. It's like, okay, you have one employer, fine that makes sense um but most musicians don't have one employer most musicians have 50 employers a year uh you know you're doing all these gigs you know we're we're gig workers we're literally gig comes from musicians so um Real quick, I want to let you know about Two Lost. Two Lost is a new distribution company to the space. And let me tell you, I am very impressed with them. I, I got a full deep dive demo with the founder. And yeah, they're very innovative. And when you come into the distribution space at this stage with how crowded it is, you better be innovative. And they are. 
Yes, they will get your music out to Spotify, Apple Music, all the places, plus 450 other outlets around the world. They do not take a commission. This is why 300,000 artists and labels have already used them. They've already distributed 7 million songs. They offer payment splitting, and they don't charge your collaborators for this service for the payment splitting. They will just pay your collaborators directly for free. They have publishing administration with BMG, so you know it's legit. A lot of distributors have have fallen into trouble with using some other uh, less-than-legit pub admin services. Well, 2Loss has partnered with BMG. You know it's legit. They offer Instant royalty advances. Uh, This is something that's very cool. And if you have historical streaming data and you need just a bulk payment up front, they can see how much your music has earned in the past. I'm like, all right, we think we know what you're going to earn in the next three years. Here's a check for 100 grand or whatever it will be. And you can just click a button and get that distributed and um, into your account immediately. They do lyrics and credits distribution for free. They have a very innovative analytics platform where, yes, you will see real-time analytics for Spotify, Apple Music, but also Pandora, Deezer, SoundCloud, and Peloton. They're the only ones that do Peloton. Uh, They also have a service where you can search the internet wherever your music is being used, and it will just show you a chart of Everywhere, every TikTok video, everywhere, every YouTube video, everywhere your music is possibly being used. I've never seen this before. That was very cool. They'll register with SoundExchange, and they have a fraud prevention tool, and they're doing fraud prevention. So if you're worried about your music, you know, getting a bot attack or something like that and getting ripped down, which we've seen is a big issue, uh, they have fraud prevention tools that are better than most other distributors that I have seen. Check out 2Lost. You can just go to 2Lost.com. Use the promo code Ari's Take for three months free and try them out. Let them know what you think. You know, we were meeting with the AFM and they were fighting us every step of the way. And it was coming down to the deadline. Now, now simultaneously, man, uh, I was going on news programs. I went on, uh, I went to down to San Diego and I went on Lorena Gonzalez's local news program, uh, and I had uh, twice actually. I went with uh, Adrian Duncan, another member of Independent Music Professionals United, our new organization that we then formed, Impu, uh, IMPU. And we talked about how this this eighty five doesn't work for musicians. And Lorena saw it, and she's like, "Hey, you're misrepresenting this, blah 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 blah." But by putting public pressure on her. She put public pressure on the unions, on the AFM. They're like, yo, get this done. Like, get some, like, get this done. And then we were more public and louder. And I went on other news programs, uh, both in San Diego, in LA. And then I got flown out to New York by John Stossel. And I went on his program and talked about it. And then I went on a few other news programs. And then we got written up in the SF Chronicle, in the LA Times. And the more public pressure... Uh, that we put on Gonzalez and the governor and the AFM, the more willing they were to negotiate with us. And I'm like learning politics <laughs> as I go. I uh, don't know anything about this, and I'm just learning as I go. I'm not a politician. I don't care to be a politician. I don't want to be in politics, but I'm like learning how this goes. Uh, Twitter, also I learned, is very effective. Um, you know, that's how politicians communicate. And I... 
lost track of how many Twitter battles I got into with Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez. I'm, I, it got to a point where um, in the thick of the negotiations, we're talking, we're like down to the wire because there are deadlines for this stuff. And we're down to the wire where they're going to need to submit language. When our organization, Impu, uh, we are in the AFM's office and we are in the, the union's office negotiating, hashing this out, saying, hey, well, this doesn't work. This doesn't, they sent us language and then we had to come back and we had a couple meetings there. And, you know, they were in their office. They had all the AFM leaders from around the, the state on the phone. Uh, we had our members in there. And now, mind you, the AFM, they like refused to meet with some of our members. Get this, they refused to meet with some of our members. Uh, of Independent Music Professionals United, Impu, uh, because they're like, well, we see that one of them, this violinist, she plays, she's part of this contracting uh, company that we have on the do not hire list because they have unfair workplace policies, blah, 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 blah. It's such bullshit. I'm telling you, like I asked them about this. They're like, oh, it's because this organization is in direct competition with the AFM, and so they just like put them on these do not work with lists, and and then contact the employment department, um, and the EDD and of California, and try to like file complaints against them, and they lose the complaints every time, but then they can put it's like all this weird game, it's these games, and so the AFM was like, no, we can't with this union policy, we cannot meet with with these people. Your violinist, who I'm like, what are you kidding me? Because she plays a couple gigs as part of this, uh, because like somebody hired her for a gig, and like because that company you don't like because they're incompetent, like you won't meet with. It was fucked up. Like they're literally elbowing out a few of the members, um, who who we that were part of us that were just independent musicians that were just you know take gigs, and and it was absurd. The AFM they they. They were playing dirty, literally, like at every step, they tried to do whatever they possibly could. So at the end of this negotiation, this one day, we met for a couple hours in there, and it was like we had to submit language to the Assemblywoman by 5 p.m. that day. And uh, the AFM initially sent us this this convoluted language that was completely unworkable, non-starter. It's not even worth getting into, but it was like it just – it didn't make any sense. There was no basis in reality. We're like this this – a, it doesn't make any sense. B, it's clear that you people who work at the AFM, John Acosta and everybody else, have no idea how the modern music industry works. You don't – when was the last time you were at a club or ever talked to a musician? <laughs> because you guys, ironically, are the AFM, the Musicians Union, and you don't know how musicians work. Um it was fucking crazy. So we literally, but we had an attorney. We had a couple attorneys on our team, uh, who you know, master negotiators, and like, listen, this is the game. This is how it works. Uh, you have to just, you know, they the assemblywoman will not sign off on anything until they get signed off from the AFM. So we have to play their stupid game. And we're like, all right. We literally had to go line by line, and <laughs> every line we crossed out and rewrote. It was absurd, and. In the end, we finally kind of came to something that uh, was not great, but it was like, you know, somewhat workable for the deadline. That And we still, they submitted it, and then we'd have another couple weeks to kind of to um, uh, edit it and whatnot. So all this political stuff. So we're like, all right, fine. Uh, then 
I uh, I get a, a call from the attorney who's talking with the assemblywoman's office, and he's like, "Sorry, don't freak out." Um, but they submitted the old language that the AFM initially wrote. That language that I just said was completely un- not based in reality. It had nothing like just didn't make any sense. Co- totally unworkable. And they submitted it to the assemblywoman, and the assemblywoman uh, sent it to the legislative council to or the uh, some office so they could like you know get it in writing and whatnot and edit it. And I'm like, wait a minute, but why do we just spend the entire day killing ourselves to try to come up with language that we could all agree on when they just send language that we didn't agree to? He's just like. Don't worry. This isn't going to be public. We have two weeks to edit it. We're going to edit it. Uh, It's not going to be public. That's just what they just need to get something in. I'm like, all right, I don't really understand, but fine. Then that night, I'm going out to a concert. I'm at the Fonda. I'm seeing Jamestown Revival, good friends, uh, great band. And, uh, oh, shout out to Nick Bearden, who is a guest on the show. Go listen to his episode. Anyway, I'm at their concert, and right before the show starts, I get frantic texts from members of Impu saying that Lorena Gonzalez is currently tweeting tweeting the language that the AFM sent to her that we did not agree to. She's tweeting the language and saying, hey, we came to an agreement with the music industry. Here's what it says. And I'm like, oh, hell no. So I had to dip out. I went into the uh, that courtyard at the Fonda, and I call our attorney, call the attorney that we're working with, uh, Jordan Bromley. Shout out to Jordan, who uh, kicked ass during this process um, and really helped with everything. I'm like, Jordan, dude, you said that she wasn't going – it wasn't going to be public. He's like, I don't know, man. I don't know why she's tweeting this. This is not – this. she should not be doing that. I'm like, okay, well, she is. <laughs> it's public, and not only – and and mind you, people are watching Lorena's Twitter uh, profile with a magnifying glass. Like, there's an entire Freelancers Against AB5 Facebook group with 20,000 members, not to mention our Impu Facebook group with 3,000 members. And whenever she tweets, it becomes news in our groups. And news, just general news. People or journalists are following that shit. So I, I, I go batshit. I'm telling you, I got on the phone with John Acosta, president of the AFM, uh, Local 47 here in in California, in LA. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? He's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, dude. I don't know why she's tweeting. I don't know what she's doing. You know, she's, she's, you know, he's like, she's the Democratic Donald Trump. I don't know what she's doing. She don't, don't listen. This is not what we, because the thing is, is that I backed him and the AFM into a corner because I kept blasting them on, on Ari's take. And, and on the news programs and everywhere, and they were losing membership daily. People were dropping their AFM membership because they're like, you're not standing up for us. Like, we are working musicians, and this is hurting us. You think it's going to get you more members? Well, I'm leaving. And th- that was happening every day. Members were, were leaving the AFM. And uh, so he's now getting real scared and defensive that I'm going to blast them more, which I was going to. And I'm like, dude, you got to – you have to – you know, uh, tell her to stop tweeting this. So she's tweeting, we're freaking out, we're emailing and I'm, I'm tweeting and I'm like, the fuck? So whatever, I go back into the concert and then I come back out. Um, and I, uh, 
I go home. I go for burgers with Nick and, and my buddy Jesse. We go to Stout Burger. And then, I, you know, I get home at like 1.32 in the morning. And I just happen to glance at Twitter. I'm getting ready for bed. And it's 2.30. And now Lorena Gonzalez is, is tweeting at me. She's responding to my tweet at 2.30 in the morning. And, and I'm like, oh, we're doing this? We're doing this right now? Okay, fine. So now we're in a Twitter battle at 2.30 in the morning. Me and Lorena Gonzalez back and forth. And I'm basically saying... We didn't agree to this. You need to delete your tweets. And now, mind you, she's one of the most powerful politicians in the state of California. <laughs> but I'm I'm batshit. I don't give a fuck. Uh, you fuck with musicians. You fuck with the wrong group. Uh, so I, I don't give a fuck. I'm just like, you need to delete your tweets. You need to amend this. You need to edit it and say that you are wrong. And this is not what we agreed to. We were assured that you weren't going to go public with this for two weeks. That's the only reason we let this language fly. Blah, 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 blah. In the end... I got we got a little victory and we got her to delete her tweets and we eventually wrote language that was somewhat workable. Now, mind you, the we didn't get everything we wanted. This it was a negotiation, but from where the AFM was, where they didn't want any exemption for the music industry whatsoever, they wanted AB5 as is to that's where they started and we started we want full exemption for all music industry professionals. So we're starting on completely opposite ends of the spectrum here, and that's when negotiations started. So you know the AFM is like, all right, well, what about uh, can we cap the can we cap the venue uh, at 250 attendees? Meaning, if you play a venue that has more than 250 attendees, then you have to follow AB5. We're like, are you kidding me? So we're gonna like local bands are gonna have to play any venue, uh, you know, play. Play the satellite, uh, rest in peace. Uh, you know, play play the echo or whatever, and uh, we're gonna they're like no, that's that's no, that that doesn't work. And we're like, all right, well, what's what's a good number? We're like, well, I don't know, five thousand. And like, well, no, you know, we need the theaters in there. We're like, all right, we settled on fifteen hundred. So, and only for headliners. So they got their little win that if you are a headliner of a venue that has over 1,500 people in attendance, not capacity, in attendance, then you have to double you to any uh, contractors that you have or any any musicians that you might have. Um, and so this is a compromise. Now, we wanted all musicians and music industry professionals exempted. Uh, we did get that for recording. So anybody who works on who records music, any session musician, any producer, any mixing engineer, any artist manager, any publicist, anyone who works on marketing uh, records uh, or or even working on any of that, we everyone in the recording sphere is exempt. Uh, but in the live space, that's where AFM you know really uh, cared um, and really pushed for they that fifteen hundred cap, and then they also. Now, it's not for the openers at 1,500. So if you open a big show at a 1,500 uh, cap venue, you're fine. Um, it's only for the headliners. Now, you know, like the Wiltern in L.A. Um, and not the Fonda. Yeah, I specifically, like, use the Fonda as an example. This is, like, because initially they're, like, are 250. I'm like, no, like, what about 1,000? I'm like, well, no, the Fonda is, is uh, capacity 1,250 or, thir- uh, what is it, 1,250. And the Fillmore is capacity 1,350. I literally went on the websites of these of the Fonda and the Fillmore, and I pointed out local bands. I'm like, look at Azamali is playing the Fillmore 1,350. Like, they're, they're a, you know, a smaller band. 
Yeah, they do well, but but like they're not rolling in it. They're not doing massive tours playing theaters. They just have like a really good draw uh, locally. And I'm like, you know, look at who's playing the Fonda here. And so that's why we got her like, all right, we won't include the Fonda. We won't include the Fillmore. Uh, but the wheel turn, they're like, we need the wheel turn. That has a capacity of 1850. And we're like, all right, fine. And, and then they're also, uh, they wanted all orchestras. I'm like, can we just limit this to symphony orchestras? Not, not chamber, uh, you know, not, not Manchester orchestra, <laughs> not, uh, jazz orchestras. They're like, all right, fine. We can call it symphony orchestra. And it's just symphony orchestras. Cause like, we need the LA Phil. I'm like, all right, fine. And then they're, uh, they really pushed hard. Uh, we have a lot of musicians. We had string players in our organization who are part of um, playing pit orchestras for musicals. They, they're like, this is equity. This is, you know, theater. We will not budge on theater. They were w- literally willing to blow up the entire negotiations uh, if we didn't give them theater and orchestras um, and, and theme park musicians. But, uh, you know, Disney can afford this. It's fine. But it was like symph- – it was or symphony orchestras and musical theaters and we're like you know we can't fight the theater battle uh we'd love to and yes we really wanted just a complete full repeal of ab5 we thought it was such a horrible law uh but like we had to stop the bleeding for the music industry we had to fight our battle this battle so this was a negotiation and i've gotten a lot of flack from people uh and and in the Facebook groups, on Twitter, everywhere saying like, well, you should have gotten more blah, blah. I'm like, you weren't there, okay? Where were you? <laughs> like, we, I spent nine months with my organization working on this shit, sleepless nights, Twitter battles, flying all over the country working on this shit. Where were you? Where were you, okay? So, uh, like, yeah, I, I get it. Like, you know, there shouldn't be carve-outs for industries who work on this and, and now why are these, con- you know, freelancers penalized? But not the- I, You know what? You got to fight for your industry and I fought for the music industry and that's what we did here. So um, it was uh, – the governor signed this into law. Uh, it passed the assembly. Our amendment, this amendment, this cleanup bill passed the assembly unanimously, passed the Senate unanimously. Republicans and Democrats all voted for this. Our language that we helped write – uh, literally, and um, and the governor signed it. Um, the governor signed it on September fourth, twenty twenty. It was crazy. It was cool. I was watching the vote on the Senate floor as as everybody was uh, discussing it and and you know why they were voting for it, which everyone did vote for it. So it was quite a year. Um, it was a little victory that we have during this crazy COVID time where the whole live music industry pretty much is shut down. This was a little beacon. If you want to learn more about it, you want the text, uh, visit ariestake.com. And you can just search on Ari's Take. If you just search AB5, the article is called Finally, the California Music Industry Gets Relief Under AB5. And I spell out exactly what it is, this process, and who gets exemptions specifically. So if you want to know more about that, you can visit ariestake.com and learn about it. Hope you enjoyed my little uh, tirade and explanation of how it went down, but that's how it happened. Have a great rest of your day, night, week, year, all that stuff. All right, peace. This 
This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districtkid.com. 